Welcome to the Kingsley Grant Show, the podcast dedicated to helping you become the leader everyone loves and wants to follow. Kingsley believes his leadership paradigm, emotelligence, the art of succeeding where others failed, is the key to achieving this status. On this show, Kingsley guides you through the uncharted waters of emotional intelligence and leadership essentials, with the guarantee that upon exit, you will become more skilled in relationship management, decision-making, and job performance. Now here's your host, your coach, and your Sherpa, Kingsley Grant. Here we go, here we go, here we go. This is your boy, Kingsley Grant, sitting behind the Jamaican microphone, bringing you yet another show. And it is from the show that's been voted number three on the top 15 podcasts on emotional intelligence by Spot, And so I am excited that you are listening to one of the top shows right now. And I'm in the command center of the Emotelligent Leadership Institute, where I'm going to dig into the vault and get today's show so that what you've come for, you will have. So let me reach in right here and get today's show. There it is. I got it. I got it. And put it down right here. And now we can dive into today's show. And on today's show, we are going to talk about five secrets to motivate your team even when you don't have a dime in the budget. Have you been there? Do you feel that pressure when funds are low, when the budget doesn't allow for certain things that you know is important and that you believe that ought ought to be done and attended to, but there's just not enough money or the allocation of funds did not include the this idea of how to motivate your your people that you're trying to lead. And, and here's what I, I find, and I wanted to, to upfront say this, because sometimes as a leader, you find yourself in this precarious position, right? You, you, you're, you're trying to do the best you can with what you have. You're trying to, it's almost like an expectation to do a miracle. And, and you know, you know very well that some training, some coaching, something like that would truly benefit your, your team and make a difference. But then you're looking around and there's not funds allocated. You know, I, I gave a talk to a chamber of commerce here in the area that I live in South Florida. Uh, and at the end of the talk, I was sitting down and speaking to someone that was um, is in the position, let's put it that way, is in the position to influence a lot of people. Basically, it's a very powerful position that the person had. And we began to talk about possible training that I would offer to these leaders, right, and their their officials within the, the, 
the government at a very not at a high level, but still it is the local government. And when I began to share and kind of pitch in what that would look like and my fees, you know, how much that talk or training would cost, because the person asked me, you know, a training like that, how much would something like that cost? Now, I must say this, that what really led to this conversation was because I had spoken about leadership and, you know, emotional intelligence and leadership, and build the talk around my book, The Immortaligent Leader Succeed Where Others Failed. And so the talk kind of ensued from that. And when I told this person what the cost and the, the was for a training, and I explained that, of course, there are packages, I said, that depends on what they're looking for. Because if it's a one, you know, a knockoff, for example, come in and speak, and that is, that's it, then that's a flat fee for that. But if they want me to do some training where I, I come in and and then I, I train probably for three hours or half a day or whatever it is, then of course the, the fee would be different. So I told this person this. And the person began to think, well, you know, um, we, we truly don't have that kind of money allocated for something like this. And the person said, Kingsley, I know this is so important. I believe this would be would make a big difference in our leadership. And the person began to point out about, oh, you know, this this department here could truly need... Oh, and then they went on and, oh, yeah, and this one too. And, oh, this person, I believe, could, you know, and, and we went on and, and they were really excited about the possibility of this. And then, again, what issue was that the budget, there was no allocation in the budget for this kind of training. And the person said, it's so essential, you know, <laughs> and it's almost like, come on, where do we put our our priorities and our importance, right? What What is important? And, and anyway, the person said, well, maybe, maybe because they have what's called discretionary uh, funds given to them to spend however they want to. So maybe we could put our discretionary funds together and possibly make it happen, and we'll see. So we are still, you know, as of as of this recording, you could say we are still in some kind of semi-formal talks, right, or just um non-formal talk, basically, because it's it's just a conversation we had, and the person was not the main decision maker. It, the person was is a decision maker, but not the main one. So they had to take it back to the other people and, and see what happens. But but it's frustrating. I'm thinking, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, you see the value of it. And the person did. The person had no no qualms. They said that. I'm thinking, you see the value of it. You know what could happen. And I only spoke for maybe 25, 30 minutes. And, and, and from that, the person was saying those things. But yet, yet, they felt like their hands were tied. And I believe this same thing happens so often in the workplace, especially if you're not the decision maker, you're not the person that writes a check or allocate the funds. How, you know, distressing that is. I, and I know, I know from experience because I used to work in a nonprofit and we never had discretionary funds where money, you know, everything was almost allocated. And so when 
I saw the opportunity to really do something that would help my team and those that I'm leading. I would hear many times, well, Kingsley, we don't have the funds. I mean, if you can raise, it's a nonprofit. If you can raise the funds because you see it's so as such an important thing, then, you know, go for it. And so in some instances, I had to go and raise the funds to make some things happen. But, you know, and I and I get it. I, I, I get it because it was not like a for-profit organization where money is streaming in and you're making, you know, it's not that. So I get some situations, it's kind of hard. But when you don't have any money allocated, does that mean, does that mean you cannot do things that truly motivates engages and inspires your team? Well, I I believe that you can. You can. And I know from experience, I had to find creative ways to do that. And so I want to share with you today five secrets to motivate your team even when you don't have a dime in the budget, right? So how how about that? All right, let's, let's, let's start with what that looked like. Now, keep in mind, that I, I must say this as a disclaimer, motivation of people truly begins within them. Now, I understand that there could be external stimuli. stimuli. For example, you know, in some cases, a raise, or, you know, it could be just things that happens on the outside that could motivate people, right? But true motivation that's lasting, that really can be sustained, has to come from within that person. You've got to find a way to somehow trigger within them where they can be, buy in and see the necessity and go after it from within for it to really be a sustainable thing, right? So I wanted to mention that before I share these five secrets with you because this is something that requires some skills. It requires consistency, it requires doing them often, and so it's not like a one-off thing. It has to be a part of the the culture, that of the the the, the um, environment, right? That you're creating. So the number one thing, well, not number one, but the first of the five that I have listed here is number one: acknowledge them often. Acknowledge them often. Now. That may sound very, you know, come on, Kingsley, I do that all the time. If I was to sit across from you and ask you this question, how do you do that? What does that look like? What would you say to me? What would your answer be to this question or to the statement, acknowledge them often? I find that people will tell you, and I've read this, it's, it's, it's shown up in studies, it's shown up in research data, where people will say that one of the things they wish their managers, their leaders, their boss, their supervisor would do is to acknowledge them. And the question is, well, what does it look like? And it's really have a number of prongs to it, so to speak, right? It's a simply a matter of, Acknowledging the person's ability, their skill set. It is to call attention to that. It's for you to speak to that issue as it pertains to the workplace. For example, for me, I know that 
speaking communication is a thing that I do pretty you know that's 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 my my wheelhouse right it's my strong it is one of my strong suit now I will speak at events and what truly matters to me is when people say Kingsley and this is where the love language idea coming from me is an acknowledgement through the affirmation right but it's the fact that they would say Kingsley and use my name and say Kingsley you know that was a great talk that really inspired me that really helped me and and that is a way of acknowledging and my question is how often do you acknowledge your 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 people singular i mean individually how often do you acknowledge the skill that they use to get the job that they've been assigned to do and they put their skill set to that how do you acknowledge them what do you say have you ever I mean, or how, let me ask it this way. When was the last time you did that? This is something that truly helps to motivate people. Okay, acknowledge them often. Number two, praise them publicly for their contribution. Now, this may seem like, well, Kingsley, isn't that the same as acknowledgement? Not really. It is a, a kind of, is a type of, but this ought to be separated because I can acknowledge you by just coming to you and acknowledge some things that you did, acknowledging you showing up on time, acknowledging you, you know, carrying through, making something happen. I can come and acknowledge you that way one-on-one. But praise is something that you do publicly. So you praise them publicly for their contribution at staff meetings, at huddles, when you get together just to do a general meeting, when you have a, a talk with your team, let it be about them. Let majority of that meeting be about. Now, obviously, you have to talk about the business and the direction and the vision, and I get it, but use part of that time and a good portion to praise people publicly. Just talk about the things that they're doing well. And it could be even some things you've acknowledged individually with that person. They, they want both. They, it's not an, it's this, this is not an either or. It's both. So you're praising them publicly for their contribution. Calling them out. You know, high-fiving, so to speak. Have people high-five them. Have people just kind of cheer them. You know, a clap. Just something. You lead the way. Set the stage for that. That is one another thing to do to motivate your people. Number three, give them some flex time. Now, this is not something that every environment, every workplace can do because of what the job may um, look like. And I don't know, you know, in some instances, it might, it might be impossible. I don't know that it is impossible, but it might be more challenging. Let's put that word there, uh, those words. It might be more challenging in some areas, and I get it. But flex time is simply allowing the person or, you know, persons to truly kind of, it's almost like you're, you're kind of saying, hey, you know what, a reward type of thing. You did a great job. We had this project we were doing and we went full force, full throttle. And, you know, we kind of uh, get the project done. And so for, because of that, we're, before we start our, start our next project, why don't you just take a half a day? It's paid. 
is not your vacation time. It's not going to be charged against you. It's just some flex time. Or, you know, for the next week before we get going again and deep into our next project, come into work an hour later. Sleep in a little bit. Or leave a little bit early today. Right? Or if the person had something to do, you know, go ahead and get that done. And and again, it's not charged against them. Flex time. That is also something that truly motivates people because you're simply saying that you're looking out for them. You're looking out for them. Now, I'm going to get into number four and number five. But before I get there, I wanted to begin to this thing with this. I used to do this way back in my other podcast where I would halfway through my show or thereabouts just mention that this show is being brought to you by Kingspire Communications. Kingspire Communications is the arm at which we serve our leaders through training, through keynote speeches, through coaching to help our leaders or help leaders become better at what they do to motivate people like this, but also to help them create environments that are such where people are engaged, are motivated, and inspired to do great work, and then free them up, the leaders, to do what they do best, and that is to grow the business and move things along. That is what Kingspire Communication does, and this show is being brought to you by Kingspire Communication. You can find out more by going to kingsleygrant.com. Kingsley, K-I-N-G-S-L-E-Y-G-R-A-N-T. Now, the first three I mentioned is acknowledge them often, praise them publicly, and give them some flex time. Number four, invite them to the table. Invite them to the table. Now, what this looks like is what I talk about in my book, The Immortalligent Leader, Succeed Where Others Failed. And one of the chapters is Leadership is partnership. And in that chapter, I speak about collaboration. I speak about the idea of looking around you. Who do you have on your team? Do you know that some people there on your team might be better at something than you do, than you are? Do you know that somebody at your team that may have a skill set that truly could help your business and help move things faster, forward, better, however you want to frame that? And so what I find is a leader that's really curious about their people and and want to, to involve them and want to motivate them is when that person have a buy-in, they feel like they have contributed to whatever it is that you're doing and that their ideas are being considered, that is something that they will be motivated to do and bring ideas to the table. They want to know that it's not just creating things in a vacuum someplace and then coming and dumping on them. And they have no idea. Sometimes they push back because they didn't expect it. Maybe it was not well-timed, whatever the case might be. But by inviting them to the table, it's partnering with them, learning something. And maybe as you listen to the ideas being shared about a project or something like that, you may discover that there is somebody there that truly have been overlooked all this time. You may have an idea going in, but after you listen to the team, you're thinking, man, their ideas are better than my, my ideas. And here's a, here's a thing. 
even at that time, you could acknowledge the fact that that's a great idea. It sounds, let's, let's see where we can go with this. And if you use somebody's idea, next time you come back together, you say, hey, you know what? Thank you guys. I really, really appreciate our last time and all the contribution. And, and here's what we have come up with. And say, hey, John, hey, Jane, you know what? I want to say thank you for part of what you shared. We're going to incorporate that. And, you know, Susie and, and Sam. And just, you know, you, do, you don't have to call everybody out. As a matter of fact, you may not even call anybody's name. You could just say, speaking generally, so that people don't think you've discarded or you've overlooked their ideas and listened to somebody else when they thought they had a good idea as well. So maybe calling people out may not be the wise thing unless unless it's a small team and you can do that. You could just say, if it's a large team, you could say just in general, guys, thank you. Great ideas. We've incorporated some of those, as you will see here. Truly appreciated it, and now let's go do what we have decided or agreed that we will we will do right. So invite them to the table is also very is one of those secrets that truly motivates your team. And and, and so far of these four things, what money have you put out? Where's the cost factor other than time? Right? There's no there's no money. So you know no dime. Only time. <laughs> I like that. No dime, only time. So number five is give them reasonable autonomy. Now, is this not a free-for-all? It's not like a person, people just do what they want to do. I, I find that there's a, a, there is a paradigm occurring in the workplace. And there are some companies that are now not even asking their people to show up to work. They're telling them they can work from wherever they want to. Now, this is where people can actually work in projects and it's not like a manufacturing place. It's not like you're creating a product in, um, in, in, in house where everybody has to be there. Some companies that are able to do this, they're telling their people, if you could want to fly to, you know, Honolulu or Paris or or London, or Jamaica, or wherever you want to fly to. And it's not vacation. You're working, and you can work from there and produce and make sure we are getting the job done. You don't have to account for your time either. We just want to make sure the results we're looking for is happening. And some companies have now begun to embrace that as as an approach. And people are... You know, I heard one person, I read where one person said this, I am working harder now than when I was in the office. They're working, the person said, I'm working longer hours because I don't want to jeopardize this opportunity. I don't want to let people who have trusted me down. And trust is a huge component of the relationship between your you and your people. They need to trust you. Trust is high on the list of what People truly use as a motivation. Do you trust me to give me autonomy? Do you trust me to not micromanage me? Do you trust me to get the result? And the, you know, maybe I may not do it the way you were, you would have done it. But do you trust me? So the autonomy that way, and the empowerment you're empowering your people to make decisions that truly are not life shattering. You know, I. Again, a person of faith, I love the story of Abraham. And um, 
I'm sorry, uh, of Moses. And uh, Moses was actually leading, you know, thousands and thousands of people. And he would truly be burnt, was burning himself out in his leadership. His father-in-law said to him one day, what you're doing is going to burn you out. It's going to truly wipe you out. You're, you can't sustain that because he was involved in every aspect of the leadership. He would listen to people's story and try to help solve issues. And like a judge, he was always there. And his father-in-law said to him, this is unsustainable. He said, why don't you find people who can, who you believe in and trust, to take care of the matters that you don't need to take care of? It's almost like, it's simply saying, delegate them, delegate these things. And when you delegate them, allow them to make decisions. Allow them to make decisions on those lower matters. But the big things, the big things, let them bring it to you. He thought that was a great idea, which it was. Sounds great to me, right? Doesn't it sound to you the same way? Yes. And so he he did that. And what a difference it made. What a difference it made. And, and sometimes what happened is, People are given a task, but they're not given the the power to do certain things. I think it was one of the hotels I was reading about this hotel that what they did was with all their employees, right? No matter what position you held, they were given a discretionary amount of money to actually, if something comes up with a one of their clients or their um their customers. Right, their guests, they were able to make decisions based on some small things. For example, a person may have lost their money in the machine. As an example, this may not be you know a big thing, but in the machine, and they want their money back. The person, whoever it was, as an a staff member, could out of their discretionary funds, say a hundred dollars for that day, they could actually pay for that. Whatever thing that the person, either the guest was complaining about, as you know, it's a small matter, and just they're empowered to do that, the autonomy to do that. Imagine what that does to know that you have the power to make a decision as a team player, a team member. That is motivating. That's a way to motivate your people. So, these five ways I've mentioned is five secrets I've mentioned is acknowledge them often. Praise them publicly, and I describe that for their for their contribution. Give them some flex time. Invite them to the table, and then give them reasonable autonomy. Or I could also say give them reasonable um, power. Empower them to do and make decisions on their own like this. Now, which of these five things would work? Now, all five, you don't have to put all five into play, but I would say at least... At least the very first two I mentioned should be always, always included. Acknowledging often and praising them publicly, that is something that should be a part of the the culture of the workplace. The other three I mentioned is something you can work, but these are the things why I say they are secrets because people who are successful, people who are true, effective leaders, which I think you are, doing these things truly catapult the connection you have with your people. Here's what I say. It make them rock stars because they're going to show up and give their best. And it makes you a celebrity in their eyes. 
So it's a win-win. You are celebrated. They are the rock stars because they are also being celebrated too. And that's why I say I have to turn leaders into uh, celebrities and work uh, employees into rock stars. This is what makes that happen. This is a secret sauce of what happens, right? So I hope this is helpful to you. And I hope that you will actually put some of these in practice and in play. And I would love to hear if you already are doing any of these. Let me know. Connect with me, especially on LinkedIn. When I put a post there, you can engage with me and give some feedback. If you listen to the show and you're on LinkedIn, make sure you're following me. And you may see one of my articles there because I have a couple of articles right now, which I have written recently as of this recording and um, this is in October, I'm sorry, November 2019. And and these articles have gone viral. I, I cannot tell you. One day I hope to break down why they went viral, but I'll talk more about that on another episode. But I want you, want you to follow me and make sure that you, when you, I post this on LinkedIn and you see this post about the five secrets to motivate your team, even when you don't have a dime, make sure you comment and give your thought, your feedback there so people can hear what your thoughts are on this episode. And then I would love to get your involvement and engagement in the conversation that's been started around this episode today. So my friend, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And remember, you are one skill away, one skill. And each time we meet, I hope that you're getting closer to whatever your best hope is. And this is bringing you right there. So let's now put this show back into the vault and lock it away. So here we go. Would you help me put this show back into the vault? Here we go. There it is. Now with that done, I can exit the command center of the Immortelligent Leadership Institute and then re-engage into the hustle and bustle of what others are involved in. So my friend, with that said, peace out, God bless, and I'll see you on the flip side. Yeah.